Welcome to Cooper Talk, presented by Walk My Mind. Bring your body, bring your mind. This is Walk My Mind, a holistic approach to wellness that connects the dots of physical, mental, and emotional health. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guest, and uh, we have a great show today. We have uh, one of uh, one of my favorite artists, actually. I, I used to see him and his band, Cinderella at the Galaxy, which is in Somerdale, which is no longer there. I think it's a, a veterinarian shop or something, or a pet shop. And my guest is Tom Keeper. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good, man. So, uh, so you, you just you're coming out with a solo album, "The Way Life Goes On." What's what's your process? You know, after being in Cinderella for a long time, what's your process in putting a solo album together? Is it a lot like it was when you were with the band, or is it a completely different avenue? Well, what's being released is actually a deluxe edition of my solo record that came out a few years ago, <clears throat> called "The Way Life Goes." And, um, you know, the, the process, you know, it's two different things that you're asking. So are you asking me about the creation of the original record or the creation of the new tracks for the deluxe edition and, and what we're releasing now? Well, the new, the new tracks, because you're releasing now, because, you know, it's years later. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, those were tracks that we, um, you know, they came about live, actually, and were inspired by touring for the, you know, the original, the original release of the record. Um I'd had to put together, you know, a, a new band to tour with behind the record. And because um, the, the record was created over a period of 10 years, um, kind of off and on with session players and different people here in Nashville. So when it came time to release it and tour, put together a band. And it's the same band for the most part that I'm still touring with, um, with the exception of we, we had a member change for the first time this year in 2017. We have a new drummer, Jared Pope, and a new keyboard player, Corey Meyer. But um, so anyway, getting getting back to your question, as we were touring uh, in support of the record, there were a couple of tracks that uh, came about out there. The first one being a kind of a hard rock hyped up version of with a little help from my friends that we started doing from day one with this band and it was received really well by the fans and we've had just countless requests for a studio version of that song. And then the other one too, that came about out on the tour trail was, uh, the duet of nobody's fool with Lizzie Hale that, um, came about as a result of us playing some shows together. And we ended up doing that on stage and it's been all over YouTube. And, we, and that one also, we've had just so many requests to, uh, have a studio version of the song. So, you know, we thought that um, at some point we started talking about doing the, del the deluxe edition and what we might want to include in that. And, and this release, different from a lot of deluxe editions, we actually recorded these songs after the fact as they were things that came about as a result of the release of the record. Um, a lot of times deluxe releases are songs that were left over or didn't make it on the record the, you know, the first time around. These, these we actually went into the studio and recorded specifically to include with this uh, expanded edition because they felt like part of the 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 project or the or the touring behind it you know they made sense with this record so um they were a blast to record we did them last year we went into a studio here called southern ground in nashville and worked with producer vance powell and we spent you know maybe three four days total uh, set up a very live kind of atmosphere because we've been playing the songs live and, uh, you know, to, did a handful of takes and Vance did some editing and a few overdubs and boom, we had some, some really killer tracks. So, um, 
was really a lot of fun to get to record with the touring band because the chemistry live has been so amazing and uh, it was cool to see that come across in the studio too. Now, you know, you've had a very long career. When did you start playing guitar? You, did you start at a very young age, I believe? Um, I started when I was probably eight years old. I remember seeing the, the Beatles on TV and there was a television show called The Monkees at the time that I, I really loved. And um, I don't, you know, just wanted to pick up the guitar and play. And uh, I started off on acoustic guitar with a teacher who came to the house and he taught me Beatles songs and he taught me American folk music and, and some gospel songs. And, and he actually taught me the basic chords, but he also made me sing the songs too. So it was kind of like song lessons, I guess. You know, it wasn't just playing guitar, it was playing and singing. So I guess that's how I ended up being a, uh, you know, a front person or a musician who plays and, and sings. What was it like when you first first started forming a band? Because I always think, you know, because nowadays, you know, it's it's so much easier because there's the internet and people can connect. But but back then, I know you grew up, I believe, in Springfield area, Philly, around that area? Yeah, Delaware County, yeah. Springfield. And so it's like, how would you get a band together back then? I mean, I know there's musicians in the Philadelphia area, but how would you connect with people? Because there wasn't this open lines of communication where you can just put a thing on Craigslist and say, hey, I'm looking for a guitarist. Um, well, I mean, there were, you know, you could run ads in the newspaper. Um, I don't remember ever really hooking up with any musicians that way. You know, you would run into people at, I don't know, people you know at school or just, I don't know. You know, you just, my experience was, it was just people that I knew. You know, they were within my circle of friends that we hung out with, and some were musicians and some weren't. And the musicians would kind of flock together and, um, form bands and there's always a bunch of different um, formations of bands and they would change constantly um, I think that my first like real professional situation I actually did answer an ad in, in a newspaper and I, I joined a, a band that was playing the Philly and South Jersey club circuit while I was still in high school and I went and I did a you know, proper audition and uh, you know I, they they hired me, and uh, that's when I started playing, you know, the club scene in that area, you know, like five, six nights a week. And I was still going to school, so, you know, I was up pretty late and then dragging myself to school and trying to stay awake in school, so. Now, how did uh, you meet the guys in Cinderella? <laughs> um, well, let's see. Um, Eric, I met in a club. I was out playing with one of the many cover bands that I had played with and we were down in Maryland and um, just ran into him in a club and we needed a bass player at the time the one we had wasn't working out and um, Jeff was in a band that was playing at the Galaxy uh, where Cinderella used to play and when we were looking for a new guitar player it was just you know he was one of the people who tried out for the band and uh, Eric, uh, Fred was brought to us by the record company um, after Night Song was already recorded because we'd use a session drummer on that record. So he was introduced to us by uh, by someone at the record company. Now, how did you get... So, you know, three three very different ways. It's Yeah, it's very odd. And it, it, did you guys know you had chemistry when you, when you sat down and played? I mean, I think with a band, 
like anything, like with, with sports, you know, if you like hockey, when, you know, you see a, a, the Flyers have a great line, you know, you know, you can tell it clicks. Did you guys felt yeah. like you clicked off off the bat? Did you just say, okay, we have something special here? Um, well, you know, I think it, you know, it develops over time because there were different, there were different formations or, or, you know, member changes, you know, as it went. And I, I think it, I think that's just something that grows with time. I, I don't think we really thought about it from the beginning. Now, what was it like when it started clicking? Like, you know, cause you're playing the club scene in Philly and in the, in the Philadelphia area. And there was more clubs that back then. I think a lot of now there's not as much music here, but how did you get to that next level? Like what got you out of the clubs in Philly and took you to the next level? Well, getting a record deal and uh, releasing the first record is what did it. Um, and that, you know, is what kind of moved it to, you know, a national level. And we were, um, like you said, one minute we were playing clubs and the next minute we had, you know, Shake Me was really taken off and uh, we were offered, you know, tours on big national tours, the first one being uh, with David Lee Roth. So it was kind of a, uh, a pretty amazing uh, ride, you know, or to be part of, you know, seeing that kind of go from, uh, you know, well, it's it's what appears to be an overnight thing, but, it you know, there's many years ago into developing that um and uh but it's it's certainly a great feeling when it happens that you know when it happens that quickly and that was a time where bands could really explode you know relatively quickly if you had done the homework and, and the groundwork you know now the career is going good and i know now you've had problems with your voice what is that like with a singer i had a uh, chris banner from the spin doctors on last week and he's lost his voice twice and as a singer and something that you've done all your life when, when you first had the problem, how do you handle that? I mean, what do you sit there, you know, it has to be scary because this is what you do. Well, yeah, it is. Um, it's something that, uh, you know, in, in my case, there, were, there didn't seem to be any kind of answer or reason that anyone could point to in the beginning as to what it was. And I went to many doctors looking for the the things that, you know, would be kind of normal for a rock singer would be like nodes or polyps or things that actually develop on the chord level that interrupt the vibration. And they didn't see any of that. You know, I want to make that clear because a lot of people, when I say nodes, they'll just say, oh, he had nodes. It's like, no, I didn't have nodes. So they couldn't find any of the normal things. Um, and, you know, it was very frustrating in the beginning. And very long story short, um, eventually ended up at a doctor's office that after seeking help in every way that I possibly could from hypnosis to all kinds of therapy, energy healers, anything, just trying to make my voice work because it wasn't like laryngitis where it was like, go rest your voice and it'll come back. It wasn't from anything like that. It just wouldn't work at all. I could rest it for six months and it wouldn't work. So um, eventually I was diagnosed with a uh, paresis of my left vocal cord, which is a medical term for a partial paralysis. And it's not something that's easily detected in a normal exam where they're looking for nodes and that kind of thing. So um, this one doctor suspected that that's what it was, and he performed some tests and stuff to confirm it, and, and he was right. So uh, there's no cure for it, and most singers don't sing, again, after that, after they're diagnosed with this. And I was told I would never sing again, and that if I was able to sing, it wouldn't be anything like 
what my voice used to be like. Uh, there's no medicine that can fix it or surgery. And they just told me my only prayer of fixing it would be to work with speech pathologists and vocal coaches and try and train the cord to behave po- properly. And I was told very good luck with that. So <laughs> not, a, not a great diagnosis. And, um, you know, I've just kind of pushed through for the better part of a, a couple decades looking for answers and working with coaches and, you know, I eventually have built back that foundation and coordination in the vocal cord where, you know, the last, I don't know, six, seven years I've been out touring, it's been very strong. So I feel uh, very blessed and fortunate to have been able to have some great teachers and a little bit of luck and, uh, and, uh, be able to come through the other end. So, what was it like the first time when you were actually going to try to sing? Uh, was it was it a very scary thing? Because I mean, you probably figured, you know, it's, it seems like a, a an affliction that you you wouldn't know when it was the right time. But when you first went to sing, what was going through your mind? Were you going, you know, I hope I can belt some tunes out, or were you sitting there going, if I can, I'll just still work on it? I mean, what goes through someone's mind because this is your livelihood? Well, it's hard to describe the process. Um, it's um, there's not any one point where you go, okay, I'm going to try now. You know, I was, I was trying every day, and some days would be better than others, and I would build up some strength enough to maybe like book a tour, and we go out on tour, and it'd be a real struggle, and I'd have to change melodies and change the way I was singing things and avoid certain areas of my voice. And there were times, there were other times where I just couldn't sing anything at all. So, you know, I think it's, it seemed very random and kind of up and down, you know, the progress, you know, you'd feel like you were making progress and then it would all go away. And I guess it's the nature of something neurological because um, anything can affect it. You know, if you're extra tired one day or something, I guess it's going to affect that response from the brain, you know, so... Um, yeah, it was it was frustrating. It, it sucked. And I don't I, I don't know any other way to describe it. Now, now you you like, know, yeah. I mean, it's just it's, it's just crazy because you think about it. You know, it's like a, a pitcher hurting his arm. Now you live in Nashville, I believe. How did you end up in Nashville? Did you go down there because of the songwriting, or how does you know a rock musician? Because I know Nashville's completely changed now, but I think you've been there for a while. How did you end up moving to Nashville? It was the songwriting that attracted me at first. Um, I started writing with people here in the mid-90s um, when things were kind of, the wheels were coming off the whole ladies thing and Cinderella lost their deal and we were drifting apart and weren't really a band anymore and I just started writing with people here and I I really loved the creative atmosphere here. Uh, everything from the writers and the musicians are like insanely talented and uh, it just seemed like a good place to start over. Musically, you know, I, I needed like a shot in the arm and I wanted to do something new and uh, it just seemed like a good good source of inspiration this town and it, it certainly has been. Now with your songwriting, how has your songwriting changed over the years? If you if you could break that down in your mind, like have you grown as a songwriter? I know, you know, I mean, it's different. Like how, how have your lyrics grown and how's the thoughts of your song grown? Have they have they a lot? Well, you know, you, you hope that you grow. Um, you know, you're always trying to write a better song, I think, as, as a songwriter. And 
but it, where I write from, it's not really any different of a place. I'm, I've always tried to write from real inspirations and, you know, that kind of, I call it the lightning bolt, where you're you're not trying to write a song, you're driving down the road, or you're riding on an airplane, or you're walking down the street, and you just get this idea in your head, and you're inspired by something. And it starts to play over and over in your head, and sometimes it's just a chorus line, you know, with a, a melody, and that's where it always starts for me. You know, it has to feel real. And then, and then at some point, if it keeps playing in your head, that thought or that idea, you eventually sit down and write it. So I still try to write that way. Um, different. The only thing I would say that is different now, and like with the solo record, is, um, you know, I I'm wrote with a lot of people for this record, and I think that. I've been writing with people who kind of write from the same place. So when you go into a co-write, I'll just, the inspiration comes from the same place. It might've been an inspiration or a thought that I had two months ago and it's still playing around in my head. And when I sit down and write with someone else, I go, what do you think of this idea? And I throw that thing out that's been playing in my head and they either dig it or they don't. And then maybe they throw an idea. And I like writing with people who kind of have that same thing where they've got these little seeds of like real inspirations that they kind of store and they just bring them out when it's time to write and and that's a good foundation to start with for a song so now now so it really hasn't changed where the where the you know the the inspiration part hasn't changed um as to where i like to draw from it's from life and it, it needs to be real now you're on going on tour. When you're on tour and when you play live now, what do what can people expect from the set? I know you'll you'll probably do you play the whole re-release? The whole, do you play the whole uh, new new uh, album, or do you just play a few songs? I always wonder how like artists pick what they're going to play live. Yeah, well, we do all the the Cinderella stuff. You know, we call them the faves, the classics, the hits. You know all the songs that anyone who has seen me in the past with that band would want to hear, you know, are in the set. Um, they're a part of my musical history. You know, I wrote the songs, I sang them, I did most of the guitar work on them. So it really feels right to, um, to play those, you know, and, and my band plays them very well. And so that, that's a big, big part of the set. And, uh, there's a good bit of the new record on it too. And we've been playing from, the time we started touring behind this record anywhere from you know upwards of five or six of the new songs in the set that varies from night to night depending on how much time we have sometimes on the festivals we cut back a little bit on the newer stuff but there's always new stuff in the set um when it's our own shows it's usually more um and the uh the other element has been some cover songs that we do um in the show, I'd mentioned one already that uh, with a little help from my friends, we've been doing from day one of the encore. I think we've done that at every show that we've played um, since I've been on tour with this band. Uh, but we've also done some Stones covers. Uh, this year we're doing uh, Tumbling Dice in the set and the encore as well. So um, we did a Prince tribute all last year because um, we were all big fans of of Prince and uh, we did a piece of Purple Rain in the out section of our of our show. So, you know, it's it's a combination of uh, 
Cinderella stuff and the new material off the way life goes and, and some, just some cover songs that we dig, you know, every year we usually have a new one that we'll throw in the set that we've kind of made our own. So it's a, uh, it's a big loud rock and roll show is what it is. It's, it's very, uh, very much like what people would expect to see from me if they've seen me perform in the past. It's a lot of sweat, loud guitars, screaming vocals, and uh, all the songs you want to hear. Now, the way uh, the way life goes, you know, you said you re-released and you added tracks. Whose idea was that? Was that yours or the record company? How did you? How does that happen? Because now it's like everything is getting re-released and people are extended versions, which is great for listeners because we enjoy that stuff. But was this your idea or was it the record company's idea? Um, I, it, it was our, our idea and it, it, it actually goes back quite a few years where, um, we were talking about doing this back about a year after the record was released, but the, the record, um, actually had a change of distribution and it was as a result of that, that was a result of a, for lack of a better word, a, we'll call it a corporate shakeup okay. <laughs> and, uh, the record kind of got caught in the middle of that and went into the abyss for about two years. Um, it was pulled off the offline. It was pulled off the shelves and it took a little bit of lawyering to get the master back. So it, obviously everything, all ideas went on the back burner when that was going on. So, um, but when it looked like we were going to get the master back, we started, we, you know, thought about started talking about the deluxe edition idea again and we, you know, we wanted to make it special and different. Like I said, we didn't want to just, you know, say, oh, here's a couple of tracks that didn't make the record the first time around. We really thought long and hard about which songs to record and what makes sense. And the duet with Lizzie on Nobody's Fool and Help From My Friends made the most sense for, um, to be the bonus tracks with this record, to be included in the expanded edition. So um, those were the tracks we picked to record. There was also some an amazing artist that we came um, into contact with again as a result of the release of the record, um, David Calcano, who did the 20-page booklet of illustrations of all the songs on the record, and he did the new album cover, and just an amazing artist. And that was that also kind of inspired the uh, uh, or got us thinking about the deluxe edition again because that the album cover with all the caricatures of the of the band and some of the song illustrations were, uh, was given to me. And when we looked at it, we were on the bus, I remember looking at it and thinking, wow, this would be a great cover for an expanded or deluxe edition because it kind of brings in all the, a lot of the things that, that came into the being as a result of the release of the record. So, um, so yeah, I mean, there was a lot of things that inspired it. And one of the one of the coolest things that we that we have included on this is a documentary of us in the studio last year recording the new tracks with with Vance Powell and um, and that was re, that was filmed and produced by a very good friend of ours, Tammy Vega, who's been our official photographer for a number of years now and has been riding with us and really we gave her complete access to the session so. This documentary, which is kind of like the making of the, the bonus tracks, is it's like you're really like in the room, watching us work together, and it's got some interviews and stuff. It's it's really cool. So, a lot of cool stuff on it. 
Cool. Well, you know, I know uh, I talked to Amanda, your PR person, and she said it was a limited time because you have to watch your throat. I want to thank you for taking the time to come on. I've always been a fan, as I said, you know, growing up in South Jersey and listening to MMR, we heard you guys a lot, you know, and uh, and so now you're touring. Do you still love it every night or, uh, you know, you got to just love that rock style. I mean, do you, how long of a show do you usually play when it's just you, when you're the headliner? Um, we do 90 minutes plus most nights when it's just us. Um, and yes, I, I still, my favorite part of all of this is playing live because it's just, you know, I, I you know, writing the music, I love that. And, and recording it in the studio is, this is kind of a love hate, <laughs> um, feeling sometimes because, you know, the, the songwriting comes pretty easy if, if you don't force it. Like I described, I just kind of, you know, you wait for the inspirations to come and then the songs kind of write themselves. But then you get into the studio and what you're hearing in your head, you're trying to make come out of those speakers and sometimes it comes out very easily and sometimes, you know, the energy you're looking for doesn't. So that's a little bit of a struggle sometimes in there. But once you do get it, you know, in the grooves, as they say, and you get to take that out and play it live, there's, there's no struggle, there's no push and pull, there's no, it's just an honest moment with the fans and you're just playing the music and not thinking about it. And it's just, that's my favorite part of of what I do. Cool, well I want to thank you on the uh, the album, is uh, The Way Life Goes. I listened to it, I really enjoyed it. I got a copy of it. Well, thank you. And uh, your website looks great. People's website is Tom Kiefer. That's K-E-I-F-E-R.com. Has all his info. His Twitter is at Tom Kiefer Music. And now, how long will we be touring for on this right now? Um, I think we'll probably be out through next summer. Okay. Well, cool. Well, I want to thank you. And uh, people, check him out. Check out Tom Kiefer. Go YouTube and go buy his music because he likes that because you, know, you want to buy people's good music. So check out the new album. I'm Steve Cooper for Walk My Mind. You have a great day.